Good morning, everyone. One quick note, because I forgot at the last Mass to tell everyone about it. We do have a second collection today, and it's for the victims of the uh, hurricane, Hurricane Florence. So that's going to happen after communion, and so that's what's going around. If you want to give to that, that'd be, that's awesome. It's a great cause. Well, uh, today we're talking about money, and uh, <coughs> before we get to that, though, I can't, this happens every time we have like a topic that's not directly from scripture of the day. It is from scripture, but not today's scripture readings. I have to talk briefly about them. I'm sorry, I just have to. Today's teaching is one of the hardest ones in the Catholic faith, right? Today, Jesus gives his teaching on divorce and remarriage. Now, here's the thing. The, the Catholic teaching about divorce is not that divorce is wrong, right? Sometimes in my office, I'll get people and they're, they're in really bad situations where they actually really need to get a civil divorce. That's sad. We should hope it never gets to that point and we don't ever want that to happen. But sometimes that has to happen. And I've had people over the years, I've told you need to go get a divorce. You need to get out of that house. We're going to do, we're going to help you get there. But the Catholic teaching on divorce is not that it's wrong, it's that it's impossible. That's the, that's the teaching of Jesus Christ today in Mark chapter 10. Clear as day, clear as crystal. Divorce is not wrong, it's impossible. And so the, the Catholic teaching is that because you have a civil divorce, that's, that might be a, a logistical necessity, but you're not free to marry another. Because the basic issue is that you're still married. <laughs> Divorce is impossible. Jesus teaches that in no uncertain terms. And so the real issue is adultery. And if you didn't hear that today, I challenge you, go home this afternoon, go read that passage, Mark chapter 10. It's right there. A couple more things about that really quickly before we jump to our main topic. Um, the first thing is that what we all want, and people come to me all the time in these really hard situations, and they are heartbreaking. It's so hard when I have women and men in my office who have been to hell and back again, and I have to be the one to, t to share this with them. It's difficult, but it's good news, right? If God really loves us, if he knows what's best, we have to listen to him. But here, here's what I want to tell you. What we all want is we want there not to be consequences to things. Isn't that true? This means yes. This means no. Are you awake? I know it's cold outside. I get it. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's overcast. Wake up, okay? Uh, when, when we make mistakes, we don't want consequences for those. And we say, but Father Brian, I'm going to be lonely. How could I? Here's the thing. Marriage is so powerful. It is so beautiful. It is so adventurous because it has consequences. Because you make a public vow and you say, I will love only this person the rest of my life. That's a bold promise. And the fact that you make it is beautiful and powerful. But it's not real if you can just get a do-over whenever you want. When we allow divorce, what we do is we cheapen marriage. 
One last point is that there's tons of writing out there about this. But in our country, when they made um, no-fault divorce laws, it's, it is true that in our country, it is easier to get out of a cell phone contract than it is a marriage. Wait, did I say that backwards? Okay. Th see, now you all nod. They're like, yes. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> Everybody judges the priest. It's easier to get out of a marriage than it is a cell phone contract. That's backwards. It's hard. It's not easy, but it's worth it. If you're in that situation, if you've been divorced and remarried, come see me because you belong here. You're loved. Christ loves you. The church loves you. But we got to address it. And so come see me, and we'll do it together. Okay? All right. Let's talk about money. Somebody after the last Mass was like, man, you really hit the topics today. I was like, you, you better believe it. Money, there's good news about money. Jesus talks about money all the time in the Gospels. I know a lot of priests who are really scared to talk about money. Jesus never was. He never was. And he has good news for us on finances. He wants finance to be something that is part of the gospel, right? Money makes a wonderful servant. If you control your, your desires and your spending habits, money will serve you. But it makes a terrible master. If money is your master and it's hanging over you, it will enslave you. And the Lord wants to set us free from that. If you haven't done this yet, if you're someone who's in that place where money's enslaving you, Dave Ramsey is awesome. So good. Really recommend him. He's a devout Christian. He has biblical, great principles on how you can make your money not your master, but your servant. And he's, it's just great stuff in this book. This one's called The Complete Guide to Money. Okay, I want you to think about gift giving. There's nothing like when you give someone a gift. I, one of my very closest friends recently got married. And <clears throat> I just love her to death, and I haven't, I actually did the wedding, but I haven't given her a gift yet because I want to give her something that's meaningful. Right? I want to give her something that really shows her and her husband that I just love them. And I don't want it, you know, that they probably what they really want is like a $100 gift card to Amazon or something. They're not getting that, right? <laughs> I want to give them something that says, I've thought about you. You mean the world to me. I love you. And so it's taking me a while to figure out what that is that I want to get for them. When I was, when I turned 30 years old, I know most of you think I'm younger than that. But when I turned 30, the rector of the seminary, who's a good friend of mine, Monsignor Glenn, he wanted to throw me a birthday party. And so he threw me the best birthday party I have ever had in my life. Better than when I was 10 at the swimming pool. It was like amazing. But Father Glenn, he knows that I'm, I love pasta. And so he worked for days. And he made this huge meal for my family and my close friends. And there were like five different types of pasta that he made from scratch. It was, it was amazing, right? Best day ever. This huge feast. Everyone went home physically in pain because they ate too much. And at the end of the night, Monsignor Glenn crawled into his bed 
and he forgot about something. <clears throat> you see, he had been making pasta, and he ran out of counter space to make the pasta from scratch. So he took a bunch of it, and he put it on cookie sheets, and then he put it on his bed to dry. And at the end of the night, he crawled into a big bed of pasta. That's <laughs> awesome. And Monsignor Glenn, right, that was his way of showing me how much he loved me. He vested me as a priest. He preached my first mass. And when he did that for me, it was, this, it was such a great day, but it was his way of showing love. And when you love someone, it just becomes natural to do that. When you really love someone, you love to give them gifts. It's not a chore or task. It's something that brings joy. Now, to steal a line from Dave Ramsey, one more story. He tells the story in this book about how he never got church tithing. We're going to talk about tithing. Tithing means 10% of your income goes back to the church. That's what a tithe is. And he says, you know, I always struggle with that. I never understood it. And he said one morning he was doing his time of prayer, and it was like 5.30 in the morning, and he was praying with that most famous passage in the Bible. So let's see if you know it. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. Okay, totally lame. Right? You guys, there was like three of you said that with me. <laughs> Last night, everyone was saying it, and it trailed off at the end. And I was like, oh yeah, we're Catholic. We don't have passages memorized. But it's this great story. Dave Ramsey, he's sitting with his son, and he read that passage. And he had been struggling with this issue, and he said, at that moment, I got it. It finally clicked what it was all about. Because before he thought, does God need my money? No, God does not need your money. God owns everything. He owns the universe. He does not need your money. The church does need money, right? We have bills and projects and ministries. But that's not the primary reason. That's not what this is about. point is that God, if you're going to be a Christian, brothers and sisters, if you're going to follow God, you have to think the way he does. You have to have a change of heart. You have to become more like him. And he was reading that passage and his little, you know, I forget, like five-year-old son was sitting on his lap and he heard that verse in a new way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And he tells in that book, he says, a light went on and I realized that God wants us to love like he does. When you love, brothers and sisters, God so loved, he gave. It's impossible. It is impossible to love and to have faith and to not be generous. Now, 
quick caveat that might not always mean financially. Right? That might be your time. That might be uh, the way you pray in the mornings. But if you really love God, if you really, if he, if you're a Christian and he's someone that is your everything, you can't help but be generous with him. Right? There's a song, there's some really tacky Christian music out there, but I tend to like it, I confess. But there's this great song I love, and it just says, there's this guy singing, he just says, Lord, I want to give you everything. You see, tithing isn't so much a practical thing. Money is not so much a practical thing. It's a heart thing. It's a worship thing. And if you're clinging on to your money, if you're holding on to it like there's no tomorrow, the biggest issue you have, brothers and sisters, is not that, you know, I don't know, that you don't understand the faith or something. It's that it's a faith problem. It's not a practical problem. It's a faith problem. It's a heart problem. So let's talk about this a little bit more. The whole world tells us this, right? The world says, do you want to find happiness? Do you want to find contentment? Do you want to find security in life? And the natural, normal thing for every one of us, and myself included, is to make life about me. And I fall into this every day. Every day I fall into this. But the way I'm going to be happy is if my house is set up perfectly. Right, I've got an old pan in my house, and like the handle's coming off because I bought a cheap one. Now watch, don't buy me one, right? The staff tomorrow likes a new pan will show up. I don't need a new pan. But I think that sometimes. I think, oh, I'll be happy when my pans are top of the line, when my bedroom's set up perfectly, when my house it looks amazing, when I'm financially secure. That's what the world says. We all think that way. Jesus thinks the opposite. This is what it's about. This is what money is about, brothers and sisters. It's about your faith. Jesus says his favorite phrase in the gospel, he repeats it seven times in the gospel. He says, the one who seeks his own life will lose it. But the one who loses his life for my sake will find it. See, Jesus got that. The real way to life. Do you really want to find happiness? Do you really want to find God? Do you really want to find salvation? The only way you can do that is when you lose your life. And you can't be an on-fire Christian while you're holding all your things to yourself. You can't do it. It's a contradiction in terms. So Jesus says that seven times. It's all over the gospel. In Mark 10, 45, Jesus says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. It's backwards. But if we're going to be Christians, if we're going to find the way to life, we've got to learn to think the way Jesus does. We have to learn how to let go of our life how to take a chance. 
right? This is everywhere. Philippians 2, have this mind among yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, right? He had everything, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself. Right? Jesus let go of his perfect, blessed life in heaven. He emptied himself to save us. That's what it means to be a Christian. And money is not the only thing, but it's one of the indicators about our life. Your time is another big one. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who though he was rich, for your sake became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. You see, money is not something that's kind of outside the gospel. It's not something that we, oh, we live the gospel and we feel so good about our faith. And then I guess we kind of have to deal with money because it's necessary. Not true. The way you treat your money is at the heart of the gospel. Right? God doesn't just want you to come to Sunday Mass. He doesn't want you just to not kill anybody. He doesn't want you just to judge Father Brian when he says something backwards. Right? What does God want? He wants everything. <laughs> he loves you so much. He wants your heart. He wants your mind. He wants your soul. He wants your money. He wants your yesterday. He wants your tomorrow. He wants your marriage. He wants the movies you watch on a Friday night and the time you wake up on Sunday morning. He wants everything. That's how this works. One more thought on this. People will ask me, they'll say, Father Brian, how do I grow in faith? I want to I trust Jesus more. And I just sometimes I wonder if I have faith. How can I have more faith, Father Brian? And what I tell them is I say, okay, go home, shut your door, put on some Christian music, light a candle, close your eyes, and feel the love of God like a warm blanket wrap, no, I never say that, ever, because that's not faith, that's not faith, that's not faith, that is not faith, faith is not feeling good about God, you want to grow in faith, take a risk, that's faith, the catechism defines faith as a response where you and I step out to follow Jesus Christ. You want a concrete way to grow in faith? Trust your finances to God. A tithe is 10%. Maybe you're not there. Maybe you're at 2% right now. Can you take a step in faith? Can you say, Jesus, this year, this is hard for me, but I'm going to try to do 4%. And I'm going to commit to 4%. Our church, when I first got here, we weren't giving any money away. We're not at 10% yet. We will be. We're on our way there. This year, we're at 5%. 5% of all the money that comes into Our Lady of Lords goes out the door to serve the poor and other ministries that spread the faith of Jesus Christ. It's a faith issue. A couple more practicals. And I know these questions are on your mind. Okay, what about the building project? Father Brian, we've got this big building project. True, amen. Thank you for your generosity. 
Thank you for all you've done for that. Think of this like with your house payment. You have a mortgage, and then we decided together to do a remodel. And that's what we did. That doesn't mean we can stop making our house payments. In our church, brothers and sisters, about, I'll give you the exact numbers next weekend, about 40% of our congregation, as far as we can tell, about 40% gives anything to the church. Anything at all. 60% of our registered parishioners, as far as we can tell, never give anything to the church. You can't be a Christian and not be challenged in generosity. So the, the, the building project, that's like our remodel. But we've got to keep paying our mortgage. Imagine what we could do if we had 100% of people on board, even if it's a small amount. Imagine what we could do in this church. What about the scandal? FB, what about the scandal, right? There's a lot of talk out there. <clears throat> There's this, these horrible things that happen in the church. Maybe we should stop giving financially to the church. That's fine. But let me say this. Number one, if you stop giving to Lourdes because of the scandal, that does not hurt the bishop's conference, and it does not hurt the Vatican. It hurts us in this church. And if you don't trust me, we've got a great, our, our business manager, she left Deloitte & Touche to come work here. We have a phenomenal accounting manager. We have a finance council that's very impressive. And if you want to have questions, you can always come talk to us about that. But here's the root issue. If you don't trust our church and me with the way we spend money here, you shouldn't go to church here. Because money, money is an important thing, but it's nowhere near as important as your soul. Nowhere near, not even in the same neighborhood. And how could you go to a church and entrust your soul to a pastor that you don't even trust how he spends money? If you don't trust me to manage money well here, you shouldn't go to church here. So next weekend, I'm going to ask everyone, I'm going to ask you, go home this week. Take that card. We're not taking them up today. We're going to take them next week. Go home. Pray about this. Be intentional. Don't put God after everything else. I pay my mortgage. I pay my uh, car payment. You know, I do groceries. I do my uh, entertainment, my eating out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if there's anything at the end, maybe I'll give something to God. Put God first. Dave Ramsey, in every one of his budgets, he talks about this. Every budget he ever puts together and distributes out there, the very first item on it is the tithe that you should give back to God before anything else. So Jesus, today, very simply, Lord, Lord, we thank you for all the generosity you give to us. You don't just give us 10%. Lord, you gave us yourself. You gave everything. Everything you had and everything you are, you gave to us. And Jesus, this is a hard one. We're scared about the future. We're scared about finances. 
Jesus, give us faith, because we do want to be generous. I want to be more generous. I want to be like you. I want to trust that life is not about what I get, but it's about serving, it's about pouring my life out, that that's the road to heaven. Jesus, bless me, bless our church at Our Lady of Lords, bless us with the gift of generosity.